Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I, w- I want to start by speaking to all the people who will be listening on podcast uh, who aren't present in the service. This is the 10th anniversary of our podcast ministry, and we have been able to reach people in more than 100 countries around the world. And so it's my hope, my hope is this, that in our congregation here in Jacksonville, we'll have at least people from 100 different countries. And we're well on our way. I, I lost count how many different countries we have. Does anybody remember? Uh, 28, 42, not 42? 24, 28, something like that. But uh, in the 20s, so we're on our way, wouldn't you say? And I also want to thank two people who have been uh, instrumental in, in getting the podcast ministry started. One of them is um, Phil. Why am I? Feller. Feller. I'm sorry. Because I, I was going to say Philip Feller. It is. With an F. And Phil Feller was a member of the congregation. He moved down south for, uh, for a job down to uh, the Miami area. And he wanted us to send him CDs of all of the services, and we weren't able to pull that off. And one day he was visiting, and he had this little funny-looking white plastic thing, and he said, this is an iPod. How about you you make podcasts? And we said, what's a podcast? What's an iPod? (laughs) Well, he he said, you know, it's digital and... I didn't really know what to do with it. But Aaron Fleming, who, who is right here, he's sitting right here. Aaron, stand up for just a second. Stand up. Aaron Fleming was one of the guys who said, we'll figure it out. And so Philip had the idea, and Aaron... Uh, worked on details, and some other people helped him. But these two people actually were instrumental in in launching the podcast ministry. And it started because we couldn't do CDs effectively. And God used that incapacity to build a new capacity. And because of that, we've been able to reach millions of people throughout the world Imagine if we'd been successful with CDs. We'd be reaching about 10 people right now who still are using CDs. But we're, we're so grateful. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. Don't despise new ideas and things that you don't know how they're going to work or if they're going to work. God knows how to put his hand on stuff and how to make many things come together. So we are now reaching people all over the world, and we're bringing the good news of Messiah Yeshua. We're seeing Jewish people turn to the Lord. We're seeing people in cities and countries who have no Messianic congregation get connected with the good news of Messiah Yeshua. And, uh, 
and with us. So it's a great honor, isn't it, that we could do all this together? And it, it really connects to a theme that, that I want to speak about. Rabbi Yuri uh, spoke about this uh, last week. It's this, that, that the life of faith is both spiritual and practical. Ministry is spiritual and practical. And so we need to, to remember to combine the two because serving God and serving one another is both spiritual and practical. And I know something about this because I'm a Levite. And if you read in the Torah, you'll see that some of the Levites were given responsibility to carry stuff. That's, that was our job. And we carried this stuff from here to there. And what were we to do? We were to, we were to set it up, you know, connect everything, put it up, and then take it down when it was time to move. Now, there was this whole other group of Levites. They were, they were uh, singing. They were playing instruments. My Levites didn't get any of that in our genes. I really appreciate, I really appreciate those of you that have spiritual gifts and talents and have developed those and nurtured those for music and worship. Rabbi Tanina, Rabbi Yuri, thank you so much for uh, providing great leadership in the congregation uh, for, for us. And I also want to thank all of you who have practical gifts that you may not recognize are spiritual. All true spiritual gifts are practical also. And all practical ministry is also spiritual. And I want to encourage you to combine them. We'll see this in the life of Abraham. He keeps them connected at all times. The Lord calls Abraham into a lifestyle of service, a lifestyle of ministry. We see it in the life of Yeshua. He he really did come down from heaven. He really did leave, if you will, the spiritual world in order to enter the physical world which God had created. He took on a human body. It wasn't just spiritual. He lived among us. He demonstrated a lifestyle of service and a lifestyle of ministry. He came, he said, as one who's a waiter, one who waits on tables. He came and put into practice uh, the perfect example. We see it also in the teachings of the apostles that faith and action go together. If you truly want to be a disciple, then unite your faith and your action together. And we see also that the love of God and the love of people goes together. They're never to be separated. They're to be combined. The great commandments. What are the two great ones? Love God, love people. And the apostles teach us that if you, if you try to separate them, then it's not authentic. In fact, I believe if you try to completely separate these, you'll break them. If you try to separate your faith from your action, you'll break your faith. And you'll also break your action and all the things that you do. If you try to separate your love of God and your love of people, you're going to break both of them. You're going to break your love of God and you're going to break your love of people. They're meant to be combined. 
And when you unite your faith and your action, you unite your love of God and your love of people, you actually bring glory and honor to the Lord. When you serve in a ministry in this congregation, I want to encourage you, unite your faith and unite your action and unite your love of God and your love of people. And let's be real simple and straightforward about it. When you're on the schedule for ministry in the congregation, make sure you come. Don't just be present spiritually, and, but absent in the body. Fulfill your schedule. <laughs> and be on time. Be early so that you're on time. Make sure you do your work with a great attitude. Make sure you do your work with excellence. Because when you do this, you're showing your faith by your action. Do you remember Yaakov's great message? I'll show you my faith by what I do. And you'll also show your love of God by your love of people. If you don't show up for your scheduled ministry, it's not showing love to anyone. You're not showing love to God. You're not showing love to your team. You're not showing love to uh, your leaders or to the rest of the congregation. You might say, but I love everybody. Okay, show it. Children of Abraham, this is for us. Combining hospitality with faith is one of the themes that I want to explore today It's a theme from the Torah portion. You can turn to Genesis chapter 18. And let me say this, hospitality by itself is good. How many of you like to eat? It's good, right? All by itself. Hospitality that's combined with faith and love is even better. It's more powerful. And we're going to see in the example of Abraham how he combined hospitality with faith. When, when you combine your hospitality and you combine your faith and your love of people, it'll, it'll help you to pray for people. You'll pray with people you wouldn't pray with otherwise. You'll pray for people. You'll have other people praying with you and for you that you wouldn't have otherwise. And you'll get answers to prayer that you could not have imagined. When you combine your faith and your love in in your ministry and in your service, you will also see Yeshua in people that you might not have noticed. You may have just thought, oh, they're they're just somebody. I don't even know who they are. But when you recognize that your service to God is taking place through this ministry and your service to people is united together and your love is at work, you're going to start seeing the Lord in people and God is going to use the people who you're surrounded with so that you can bless them and so that they can bless you. And that's why it's always important to be alert about the spiritual importance of the practical ministry that you're doing. So we could say that action is important. What we do is important. Let's just say that word together, action. Action. Action is important. An attitude is also important. How many parents have told your kids that? Watch your attitude. The attitudes of our hearts are really important. Now let's look at Abraham's example from this week's Torah readings, starting in Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. And just to summarize, uh, God and angels show up at Abraham's tent. They're a bit mysterious. They, 
They come in the appearance of men, and it's not clear to Abraham fully who's who. But Abraham is hospitable. He's welcoming. He's personable. He's gracious. He's generous. He's eager. He's friendly. And he decides to be a blessing. You're going to do ministry differently if you decide beforehand that you're going to be a blessing. If, if you're... If you've got a stinking attitude, then your fruit will be stinking too. And the benefits that you get will be stinking. Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as Abraham sat at the entrance to the tent during the heat of the day. I can tell you that Maimonides and all those he's influenced are still struggling with this verse. Because it's so simple and straightforward, it says something, God appeared. He appeared meaning he became visible, he became physically present at a specific place at a specific time. It's not a vision, it's not a hallucination, it's not a mirage, it's not an impression that Abraham has. God appeared. Now I would encourage you, get your theology lined up with this. And then a lot of things will be understandable. Some people say, well, if, if God came down as Yeshua, where do we see God doing anything like that in Torah? Right here. Abraham, verse 2, raised his eyes. He looked, and there in front of them stood three men. On seeing them, he ran from the door, the tent door, to meet them, prostrated himself on the ground and said, My Lord, if I found favor in your sight, please don't leave your servant. Please let me send for some water so that you can wash your feet. Then rest under the tree and I'll bring a piece of bread. Now that you've come to your servant, refresh yourselves before going on. Very well, they replied, do what you have said. Verse 6, Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, three measures of the best flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd, took a good tender calf, gave it to the servant who hurried to prepare it, and then he took curds, milk, and the calf which he had prepared and set it all before the men, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. So look at how eager and how enthusiastic, how hospitable Abraham is. Imagine if he saw these folks coming and he said, Oh, man, (laughs) not visitors. It is hot out here. What if he said, you know, I'm kind of an introvert. They're just going to suck the life right out of me. You know how visitors are. I'm going inside. I'm not going to answer the tent door when they knock. I don't even, you know, it's hard to knock on a, on a tent, isn't it? <laughs> Foop, foop, foop. I don't know how you do it, but he didn't hide. He didn't uh, use the weather as an excuse. Instead, he accepted it as a blessing. You see, he was already walking in the faith that God had given him. Had given him, be a blessing. If you're still smiling and you are sitting next to someone uh, who you like. Smile at them and say, be a blessing, be a blessing, be a blessing. 
And if you know that they are already, you can smile and say, you are a blessing. And, and you can say one more thing. I want to be a blessing too. I want to be a blessing. And so Abraham goes the extra mile. And he, he goes above and beyond to welcome these people who are strangers. He doesn't really know who they are. You and I, we're reading the story. We figured it out, right? And we can read the end of the story and then look back and but he's seeing people, he doesn't know who they are. And he's got such an open heart towards them. And then right after this, right after he puts into practice that spiritual word, be a blessing, then he receives good news for himself and for his wife. Genesis 18, verse 9. And then they said to him, and you've you got to remember the shock aspect. Where's Sarah, your wife? Okay, these are perfect strangers. Can you imagine, Rabbi Yuri, strangers come to your house and, and one of their questions is, where is Ina, your wife? If you're feeling protective, you might say, uh, Ina who? <laughs> Sarah who? But Abraham wasn't feeling protective. I think that he had this spiritual awareness. Maybe that's happened to you sometime where you don't know what's going on. You haven't figured anything out. But the spirit inside of you confirms what to do. Where's Sarah, your wife? Abraham says, in the tent. And then he says, I will certainly return to you around this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. That is so awesome. And then it continues. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him, and so that gives us a picture. He's standing in front of the door. <laughs> Where's Sarah, your wife? Uh, inside. Sarah's inside. You rat, why'd you tell them? <laughs> you don't know what they're going to do. But then the word comes, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Verse 11, Abraham and Sarah were old, they were well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. For that reason, Sarah laughed inside of herself. She chuckled and said, right. After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? This is shorthand. Verse 13. And now we get this little missing detail. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely I shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So who is the he who, who came? The Lord. Is anything too hard to the Lord, for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. You know, I think it's sober at that moment. And Sarah denies it. She said, I didn't laugh. 
because she was afraid. You could imagine the, the feeling of awe. It's a little spooky. This person knows your name. This person knows your situation. They haven't even seen you and they're telling you something. And then this person says, I am the Lord. Well, that just ruins a lot of people's theology. Sarah says, I didn't laugh. And the Lord says, no, you laughed. She could have said, well, I only laughed inside. (laughs) But they end up naming the boy based on this laughter. Abraham served in a spiritual way and in a practical way. His faith and his actions were united, and he didn't know what was going to happen next. He knew only this, be a blessing. He took it seriously. Be a blessing to strangers? Yes. Be a blessing to people who come at inconvenient times? Yes. Go the extra mile in the blessings that you give. Now, when the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah became intolerable to the Lord, what does Abraham do? The Lord comes and tells him about this, and Abraham prays to God for mercy. And he intercedes, and he starts negotiating with the Lord. Can the God of all justice destroy everyone if there are 50 righteous there? And the Lord says, I'll I'll spare the city for the sake of the righteous. And then Abraham, you know, he's thinking, well, maybe there are 50. And he starts whittling the number down. The Lord's looking at his heart, though, and he sees that Abraham has a heart of mercy and a heart for justice. They're combined together. If you separate mercy and justice, you destroy both of them. They're meant to be united. And Abraham is looking for a reason that God would withhold judgment. And and think about Abraham's attitudes. He's not gloating. He's not vengeful. He's not saying, you know, those sodomites, they're finally going to get what they deserve. It's about time. He's not thinking that the very best thing in God's heart is to bring wrathful judgment. That's not what God desires to do. The scripture says that God does not delight in the death of anyone. So it was in the heart of God to show mercy. Now let's let's look at some examples from Yeshua. We're going to see something. What was his first public miracle, do you know? He turned water into wine. We could say this, he contributed to the wedding party by turning water into wine. Was it a real wedding or just a spiritual wedding? Was it a real party? Yeah. And was it real water? It was, it was real water. And Yeshua could have just done it spiritually. He could have said, okay, hold up your water and just pretend it's wine. Mmm, have you ever been with kids who, you know, they dress up? 
But what did he do? He turned real water into real wine. And good stuff. It, it wasn't Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> it, it was good. He knew what good was. I've hung out with some street people. One of Yeshua's final acts was this. He cooks breakfast for Peter and the others. Real fish on real fire, right? Unless you like sushi, you want the fire. In real cooking, Yeshua understood you need to clean the fish before you cook them. Some of you guys, you need to learn some lessons about cooking so you can be useful. Real cooking, real breakfast. He had uh, utensils ready, right? Can you imagine? You you don't know what you're doing. You want to cook breakfast, so you have a fire because you know there's a fire involved. You throw the fish on. They haven't been gutted or cleaned. And now you're going to serve them to people. You've got no utensils. How are you going to get them out of the fire? How are you going to serve them to people? Yeshua did all those things. Practical ministry, spiritual ministry go together. He combined them, and he's showing mercy and kindness, and he uses breakfast to restore Peter. And then after that, we read at the end of the book of Luke that Yeshua opens up the minds of his disciples. They'd not been able to understand the scriptures correctly. They didn't see the big picture, and they couldn't get the details. They didn't understand about suffering and resurrection and how God was going to work through that. They missed out on a lot of details. And then there was a story Yeshua told. He was talking about these great commands to love God and to love your neighbor. And someone had asked him a question, so who is your neighbor? And he makes up a story. And he makes it up in such a way it's really provocative. He he tells it like this. There is this guy who got beat up. He got mugged, beat up, left bloody on the side of the road, and some good priests were walking by, but they were going to a conference. And so they didn't want to be distracted. They just kept going. And some Levites, they were going to lead worship that day. They couldn't be bothered. And then a Samaritan walked by. Now, you have to understand that Samaritans uh, were, they were like half Jewish, half not. And they had their own scriptures. They had their own heresies. They were replacement theology. And so when Yeshua picks the Samaritans out to be the example, it's like this if you voted for Trump. And so then... And then someone who voted for Hillary walked by and stopped. But if you voted for Hillary, it's like this. And then someone who voted for Trump stopped and took care of that minority in distress. Now, if you're a Republican, it's like it was a Democrat who stopped. If you're a Democrat, it's like it was a Republican who stopped. You get what I'm saying? Uh, you might not have figured that out, but that's, that's what it was like uh, socially. There was such a gulf uh, politically, socially, 
uh, ethnically between Samaritans and Jews. So when Yeshua picks a Samaritan to be the good guy, he's really stirring up the pot. He's really making things uh, difficult, and he does it for a reason. He wants people to think more deeply about the question. That's why I brought it up. That's why I want you to think more deeply about this. Yeshua knows that if you're only willing to serve people who are just like you, you really haven't moved into the calling of Abraham and the blessing of Abraham, nor have you moved into the calling of Yeshua and what it means to be a Talmud, a disciple of Yeshua. We have to open up our hearts and we have to be willing to serve others who are different from us and not be judging them, but seeing that God wants to use us to show mercy and love to them. When Yeshua is about ready to return to heaven, his disciples don't understand a lot of what's going to happen, but he tells them that he will return to heaven and then he will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be the comforter. The Holy Spirit will be their helper. The Holy Spirit is the one promised by the Father. The one who's going to fill them, who's going to give them power. The one who will pour out spiritual gifts upon them. The one who caused them to be spiritually fruitful. The one who will go with them, who will lead them and go before them. The one who will teach them and remind them what Yeshua taught. The one who will equip them and prepare them. The one who will encourage them. And Yeshua is saying, you're not going to be left like orphans. You're not going to be abandoned you're going to receive the Holy Spirit who's going to live inside of you. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, then you can go out and do all the things I've called you to do. Then you can go out into Jerusalem. Then you can go to Judea and Samaria. Then you can go to Jacksonville, the uttermost parts of the world. Yeshua also shared his value system with his disciples what he considers important. And he shows how he unites the love of God with the love of people. And he says that in the end, he's going to be meeting with people and he's going to say to some people, I want to thank you personally. I want to thank you because it meant so much to me when I was hungry And you came to me and and you brought me food. And I just want to say thank you. It meant a lot to me. And when I was thirsty, you were the one who came and, and gave me something to drink. And remember when they took me to prison too? You came and you visited me and it meant so much to me. And I've never forgotten you and what you did. And some of those people will say, Lord, we... We don't remember doing this. And and Yeshua will say, I'll tell you that when you did these things to people who were undeserving and to people who were insignificant and, and strangers to you, when you treated people who were the least, but they were actually my brothers, you did it to me. I took it personally that you were doing it for me. That's how I took it. You see, when God says, love your neighbor, 
love the Lord. He means it. They are united. Don't separate them. You'll break them. And when they're united, God takes it personally. Matthew 25, 35. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. The apostles took this seriously, both the apostles to the Gentiles and the apostles to the Jews. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, it says this, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels, and they didn't even know it. Paul said something similar to the the Italians. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. And he said, share with the saints, share with the holy ones, share with the Talmudim who are in need. Practice hospitality. Say that with me. Practice hospitality. Put it into action. It's not so much think about it, do it. And then Peter who was an apostle to the Jews, said the same thing, 1 Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without kvetching. That's Yiddish, without complaining. Peter did not speak Yiddish, I know. (laughs) But he understood complaining, that it's it's a Jewish weakness. He said, show hospitality to one another without complaining. Do it with joy. Do it all with joy. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to unite your spiritual and your practical ministry. To unite your love of God and and your love of people. Because when you do that, you show yourself truly to be a son and a daughter of Abraham. And you show yourself also to be a true disciple of Yeshua's. So unite those together. And can you imagine, as each of us does that, God will give us opportunities and he'll give us blessings. He'll give you breakthroughs that you've been waiting for. If Abraham had said, oh man, it's so stinking hot out here. If he just put a bowl out, for the strangers and then hid himself away? If he just sent a servant to do everything because it was beneath him, that may have been the end of everything. He didn't know what was connected. But to the glory of God, Abraham knew it was all connected. When you know it's all connected, you know what? It starts getting connected. And that's why Paul wrote, God causes all things to work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So the universe works differently when you are loving God and you're moving in his calling. So I just want to pray for you because I believe God wants to use us. He wants to use you in this congregation. He wants to use people all over the world who will receive this Uh, this word, and he will do great and mighty things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you 
Thank you for the great demonstration of hospitality and faith that you show us through Abraham and you showed Abraham. You responded to him and you blessed him. You fulfilled all that you set out to do. And I pray, Lord, that we would be men and women, young people, old people of faith and action. We would unite our love of God and our love of people. And we would have a heart for the poor and a heart for the stranger, a heart for the widow, a heart for the immigrant, a heart for the least of these who are your brothers and sisters. Use us, Lord, to proclaim the good news of Messiah Yeshua everywhere we go. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. And then parents, please go get your kids. Pick up your toddlers and your babies and your kids in the Shabbat school. If you're standing by yourself, move a little bit so you're not by yourself. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.